Hey guys, and welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. This is Kenny. This is Paul Damien. And this is Ian. And we're just, we're feeling nice and relaxed here today. Where we talk about Stand By Me. By you or me? By Rob Reiner. I'll stand by Rob Reiner. Based on the novella. I will too. By Stephen King. Called The Body. Do we also have to stand by Stephen King? Yes. I'll stand by the We've body. been standing by Stephen King all month long. Oh, what about the <laughs> and We're going to keep doing it. Yeah. While we follow along with these four boys, while they discover a dead body, which is the entire premise of the movie, Stand By Me. By, wait, by you? By I Rob Reiner. Said Rob, by Rob Reiner. And Stephen King. Based on the novella. But Kenny as well. By Stephen King. Wait, who am I standing next to you? <laughs> All right, enough of that. <laughs> if you didn't uh, get what we're talking about based on all that nonsense, you're a on. fool. Hold on, look at the photo. The, a pity fool. <laughs> Dude, I love that photo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, so this movie, 86, starring Will Wheaton, uh, River, River Phoenix, Phoenix. Co- Corey, is it Feldman or Haim? Yeah, Feldman. Feldman and, and Jerry of course O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Kiefer Sutherland and little cameos of uh, of the uh, a bit of the sack, the Q sack. <laughs> yeah, um, a little baby sack in there. This movie, who had seen this movie before? None of the above. Nope, but kind of like the movie we saw last week with Kenny, I remember this movie from Family Guy. Oh, oh, did they do a Family true. Guy episode? There is also the yes. Family Guy, yeah, they, which I did have some. Yeah. They did a bunch of Stephen King stuff. Because there's also Shawshank Redemption. Oh. They've done a bunch of his movies into like into the episodes like I complained about Misery. Well, fuck. It sounds so. like Family Guy ruined this whole fucking series yeah. for us. Kind of. <laughs> it's all right. Um, um, so yeah, Stand By Me, uh, one of those movies that we've we've mentioned over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Classic for a reason. I feel like that still stands here. You you got that. You yeah. understood that. Because yeah. I know we were a little unsure of whether we wanted to do this one or not. Because, yeah. I mean, even from my point of view, I'm not always that into movies that are about children. You uh, know, like that's a gotcha. category that if like... Like the Sandlot. Yeah, like the Sandlot. I mean, but that's something that's more sentimental to my youth. So I would argue, you know, it's like, I guess trying to watch them now. You know, like when, Fair like enough. Moonrise Kingdom and like, you know, that kind of generation on any mm-hmm. in movies that were kind of like focally pointed on kids. Minus maybe like Jojo Rabbit. Uh, or, you know, there are some, I guess, deviance. Um, for the most Taika part, it's too. hard for me to get into something that's wrapped solely around like that 12 to 13 year old you okay. know, age range so that was the only reason i was a little you know nervous to watch it but i i fucking loved this movie for a lot of reasons mm. and uh i think it does stand true to being like a an honest to god classic for a lot of reasons specifically kind of like last week the fucking acting man yeah it's oh like my gosh. rob reiner his one mission was like i'm gonna find people who can act these parts 11 out of 10 you know and then that's that's gonna be why my movies are great if anything you know do you, and holy do you shit think it's solely the actors or his directing as well i think uh, so somewhere in between yeah i have a, a heavy belief that you can have a brilliant actor directed by a bad director and the movie's gonna sound and look like shit mm-hmm. because the director didn't know how to work with the actor mm-hmm. and the actor only knows how to work off of the uh, the director Fair and enough. i feel like that relationship is less spoken about. And I think it's very true a lot of the time. Yeah. Where it's like, you need the good director to pull out the good performance from mm-hmm. the good actor. Um, and I agree. Though, I feel like the group of kids that we get, no matter the, how well they all played their parts, these all, all the kids felt like they were almost plucked out of a different children's movie for me. Interesting. Where Jerry O'Connell was kind of like, he was plucked out of like the Sandlot. Yeah. While, you know, like River Phoenix was plucked out of like a more heavier drama or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, I do. Like the Outsiders or something. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Gordy felt kind of like he was um, that the main boy from It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to me. And since we're going to do all of them, Teddy was yeah. platoon, but children, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's, that's not him. That's oh. not Charlie Sheen. not that i thought it was him because i knew it wasn't yeah i was like charlie sheen's a teenager or like young adult around this age Uh around this time so there's no way um but then amber was oh no that's 
Corey Feldman. Yeah. So, like, oh shit. Interestingly okay. enough, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Corey Feldman go on to be in The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Did The Lost Boys come out after this? I think it's after. It must yeah. have. Uh, which I found very interesting that they were already in this movie together to I, begin with. It right? was a, it was crazy for me to see Kiefer Sutherland and him just be himself from yep. The Lost Boys already, like 100%. <laughs> That's what Amber was saying. The fucking hair and everything <laughs> yeah. was just already on point. I, I'm actually going to look up what year these two movies came out. or that movie I think out. Lost Boys was maybe 89. Oh, I put The Lote Boys. The Lote Boys. That's a good one, too. <laughs> the, They're just loading it up. The Lost Lonely The next boys. year. <laughs> Lost Eight, Lonely Boys. 1987. So okay. it's literally the year after Stand By wow. Me, they came back to do, or you know, the, you know so yeah. obviously it was mm. on the heels of them recording this movie. They obviously went on to do that that classic yes film um but yeah no i really it, it actually impressed me how much the four mains are include are pretty relevant actors in a sense yeah. mm-hmm. you know like uh jerry o'connell was the funny one for me because he's the fucking guy from kangaroo jack yeah, if yeah. y'all didn't realize <laughs> yes and it was like uh, so looking up the cast while i was watching the movie i was like oh the, the little fat kid's the is the the handsome guy from kangaroo jack i was like what is it? that's that's crazy how that that's, happens more often than not that's you know? something that has painted this movie forever for me is really? i had always known adult jerry o'connell oh. and everyone was always like oh right the fat kid from stand, stand by me <laughs> and so i'd fat. always well that's the thing i'd always seen stand by me posters or clips you know, or who's the fat one i was like where's which one's the fat kid <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, I, was like, more I was like i guess ass. the fat kid's in a different movie or a different part of the movie <laughs> that's another thing i want to talk about his character real quick Vern. um he brought the comb he, he brought the, the comb, comb. So I guess that is his redeeming quality, is that he's a sweet kid. Yeah. Other than that, you, especially with Stephen King, I feel like, you don't, he doesn't typically give someone such a constant shit about. Or, uh, get shit on. Right. right. You're trying to get at, yeah. Like, when it came to. He doesn't usually have that character that's getting dogged on right. all the time. Yeah, like, there's usually a balance. Like mm-hmm. Ben in mm-hmm. It. He is incredibly sweet and he's incredibly smart Mm -hmm. but he's also you know chunky fucking Vern over here is a fucking complete moron (laughs) i think they're meant to be different versions of like unintelligent you know i really think that's what chris teddy and Vern are supposed to represent is like how you can be dumb in a variety of ways you know all the way from having like a violent lifestyle so you're like violently dumb you know like a brute versus like just innocent and idiotic on the more Vern end of Mm -hmm. things um and so i i will agree with you that their their personalities feel almost for the fact that we get castle rock as this very small contained town you wouldn't get these like wildly differentiating personality types to Mm -hmm. such an extent you know they would be a little bit more alike you know Mm and like the way they talk and act around each other they wouldn't be such obvious you know, different people. Yeah. Because I mean, I even feel like you know we grew up together, and you know we see we hear it on here on this podcast. We are the worst about saying the kind of same oh, phrases yeah. <laughs> and like talking alike, and you know even yeah. like when we're together, it gets even worse. We make a lot of similar ish jokes, yeah. And so it just that's I feel like that's how an organic friend group really functions. Is that the more t- more time you spend together, the more you really fall into like a like a like a niche of like yeah. all acting very similarly to each other, you know, even if we all obviously have our own personalities. Right. That makes sense. So that was one thing that I had to get into a little bit is accepting that these four characters are these, these vastly different, you know, entities and right. that have still all come together as this little friend group, you know, I, For sure. cause even the Sandlot does a good job of making them all feel like a, cohesive. a cohesive group that mm-hmm. all have the same mission in life, you know? <laughs> no, for sure. Um, each of these characters, all four of them, yeah. have a little bit of tragedy around them. Yeah. Um, our main character, Gordy, Gordon, Gordon um, his older brother has recently passed right. four months ago. The Q-sack hit the, the sack, man. Yeah. He's done. <laughs> he, hit, he hit the big sack in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it, oh, let me let me go down the list. Uh, Chris, he has a hard upbringing. Like his, his parents aren't there for him all the time. And his dad's pretty uh, drunk and pretty abusive right. to that degree. And then same thing with with uh, Teddy, who go. What's his last name? Teddy Ruxpin. I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't remember. I don't they remember they call him his last name sometimes. Yeah. I, I only wrote Teddy on the board. Um, it's not Driscoll. No. Yeah, I'll look it up real quick. Okay. 
Uh, it is Teddy Duchamp. 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 That's right. And so he he also has like a uh, they call him a loony. Yeah. Day, well, his, which, yeah. His dad's a loony. His dad yeah. well, obviously was military. Has and PTSD. Through, yeah, yeah, yeah. PTSD or uh, what is it? Never mind. Either that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has abused his son, which does right. happen, unfortunately, mm-hmm. more often than not. And I can only imagine, you know, that fucking getting held to a fire kind of punishment, yeah. you know. And then Vern is just an absolute moron. So they're all tragic in their own ways. <laughs> yeah. You think that's his that's, That was my big joke. That was was, big that's joke. what I was all leading up to. <laughs> his tragedy, <laughs> his tragedy is that he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, Vern is irredeemable. <laughs> I'm just kidding. To, like, to what Kenny was saying, like how these are four very, very different characters. Yeah. You know, they don't all seem to have a singular purpose other than finding the body. Right. Um, it, it's... Well, it's, Which I will say, I kept forgetting was even the mission right? during this movie. They, I'm glad they kept bringing it up because I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's what yeah. they're doing right now. <laughs> but I, I think, I think in a way, that was kind of the point. You know, yeah, for that sure. You have these dude. four it, starkly. It's not about the end. It's yeah. about the journey. Yeah. Well, more than that, just that you have these four starkly different characters. True. You know, traveling together, and you don't 100 percent know who's really going to be there with you in life because this movie's about life. Yeah. Oh and yeah. You don't really know who's really going to be there with you in life. So you have who you have for now. Now, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it's kind of just about going. Sometimes it's about going through the motion. Sometimes it's about being proactive. It just depends on your situation. And I think that's the whole point of this movie. Yeah. You know, um, just those life changes and his life lessons because this is a coming to age film. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, this movie always perplexed me mm-hmm. um Same. i had not seen this movie before viewing for this i i guess i'd skipped the family guy episodes isn't it brian's body <laughs> in the end <laughs> i think so yeah it's stewie and a gang going on or no it's like little peter it's it, little peter they make up like little kid uh, versions of themselves and, and then brian and joe gets hit by the train and loses his legs is yes. like thing. It's every episode brian, joe loses his legs so like in misery he gets shot uh, in the spine and loses his legs i thought in misery he wasn't the one that they no he is the cop that shows up i thought he was the one that they cobbled or maybe she cobbles it, it no, well I, either way she yeah either way he, he loses his legs yeah. as a joke in every single oh meg is probably oh yeah, actually pretty, i think meg yeah. is the body that he oh. <laughs> i think meg is the body but, now that you but say meg that. is also kathy bates character yeah that's what i was trying yeah. to say god i think stewie is kathy bates character oh oh and she does yeah. it to brian because yeah. brian's the writer brian's the writer that's, that's i was right. gonna say okay. stewie is kathy bates in that episode and brian is the You're writer totally right. yeah i feel <laughs> anyway like sorry we're meg. back on the misery <laughs> but yeah no in the standby oh that's <laughs> miserable um um, yeah, no. Look, you missed the Family Guy episode, which is fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But the this movie has always perplexed me because mm-hmm. it, it, I'd known it was a Stephen King movie, <laughs> and I know that the, the, there was nothing supernatural or or strange or and that's horrific. What you're always expecting, yeah. right? Who it, do you think has the shine? No do you, one. Do you think it was Chopper the dog? That's how it knows how to stick <laughs> I think balls. It was, <laughs> I think it was Chris. Chris had the shine somehow. Yeah. And and that's how he was able to have the foresight that Gordy was going to make it out of there. I guess I, no, I just no, I'm just no I know. <laughs> I know that you're messing around. I just I this movie has always perplexed me because I'd heard yeah. about what it was about and I was like, it was already at the time where I was getting just to, to decide what movies I wanted to watch and yeah. not whatever was on VHS in the right. house, you know. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't need to watch that. Why movie. would I watch Stephen King does the Sandlot? Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> Oh, a bunch of kids, uh, four kids go on an adventure to go find a dead body. That sounds like the most nothing of an idea. That sounds like the first five minutes of a movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I I didn't know that there was this beautiful flower underneath. Uh, this movie is pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say right now, I don't think it's as good as Misery. I think Misery is oh, fucking hell no, it's stellar. Not but this movie, I feel like, is... If you have kids and you're like showing them the sandlot and they're like, what, like six, seven, whenever they're eight, nine, show them this one. You know what I mean? Like get it, get mm-hmm. it early with them. Even though it is about heavy subject, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that it's okay because we must have seen a lot of dumb shit that we shouldn't have seen when we were young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's okay to get it early. Yeah. You know? No, definitely. Uh, but how, how do you guys feel about this movie in the, I guess, the air? 
arena that it tries to live in where it's like it's it's about heavy shit but it is a kid centric movie yeah i mean i see how this is kind of an iconic coming of age movie that a lot of movies like the sandlot are actually very much based around how this was designed you know that it was maybe the you know the starting point for a lot of those stylized movies that are are similar to it nowadays so i it's one of those things where once again keeping in mind of when it came out and how iconic it probably was in 1986 and Mm -hmm. maybe how necessary a story like this was in the 80s at, at a time where like horror films were like the big hard on for everybody especially stephen king horror and it was sci-fi probably too. and sci-fi horror this was probably a big a nice step away from that you know and something that's still a very necessary you know i wonder how m- much people responded back then to these like more down-to-earth stories the stuff that talked a little bit more on the things that we as people don't usually like to talk about you right. know like our troubled childhoods and you know abusive parents and things of those natures but I, the thing is is that i would put this on a shelf with misery in the sense that i think they're movies that are like we talked earlier very uh performance heavy you Mm -hmm. know they they survive on the fact that the actors and the the director's relationship was so on point that these actors were able to really throw these wildly good performances at the screen you know and i think that's why this movie stands in that level of uh iconicness it, it you stands know by it stands by it <laughs> yeah so i would say they're both i would say they're both equally good i think i'm going to give them pretty equally ratings because this is they're so different they're almost impossible to compare to each other right. because this is there's such different points to be made right. you know yeah <laughs> see i i i really enjoyed this movie yeah um i wouldn't honestly put it on par with misery i do agree with you when you say that you really can't compare them because they're extremely different films about extremely different things um but i for me personally it's just it was hard for me to get into it and and that's really the only reason that's the only thing that kills me about it but other than that this this movie was amazing i actually really did enjoy it um i love the cinematography in this Uh movie yeah there's a lot of really just clean shots how do you feel about the the green screen I know it was okay. <laughs> I know I'm just dogging on you because this movie come out eighty six. Okay, uh, I'm just messing with you because I know we. Uh, it's like every we watch, movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More recent movies with a lot of CGI. You're like, man, they couldn't get that CGI right, huh? Well, well, my <laughs> how good that is, body looked. Way better than <laughs> yeah. Kathy Bates. Honestly, yes. But my my thing True. is like with new movies. It's kind of like okay, you're expected. You, yeah, you you just spent three hundred million dollars on this movie. Yeah, and that airplane looks like that. <laughs> I, okay, I, I, you're never gonna let that plane go. No, I will not. <laughs> so like it's it's just stuff like that that makes me mad. You know, I I probably could have filmed a toy airplane flying through the sky better than that. I honestly. agree so, with you, honestly. Um, yeah, no, I mean the, there is a green screen shot in mm-hmm. this movie there's a couple uh where they're running from the train on the the, the long right. bridge and i remember seeing that as a kid like a, a very young kid seeing that and being like huh okay uh, i know they don't die they're kids and this it is doesn't a, look bad it yeah. doesn't look there's bad, only one yeah. that where you're like oh that's a green screen yeah. yeah the other ones you're like oh that's a green screen you yeah know? <laughs> I, I loved it and i was excited like the second one turned you on is that what you're saying yeah, it, it, for, I was, yeah i was, I was like, excited oh, for that scene because this movie is exactly it's kind of an accumulation of iconic scenes like that yeah. so i like you know you know what's gonna happen right. as soon as they start to cross that bridge and i was all on at that point i was all on board for this movie you know we'd already gotten several emotional monologues between chris and gordy at this point so i was invested into these characters even Vern and all of his fucking flaws yeah i knew as soon as he's fucking crawling i well from gordy's point of view i was like go around him (laughs) i was like just go like why would you stay behind him yeah slow pacing like that and then especially once he's like leaving you for dead I don't, I don't, I'm a terrible friend I left his ass behind I wouldn't have been like get that, up and run with me and like screw Amber you was. I was like dude this kid's a fucking <laughs> pussy and Amber was all I would have left I was all yeah I think I would have too but I would still feel bad because this kid's a fucking pussy and he needs uh, my help Like, <laughs> yeah. but I think that's an important point of the story that they're all 
yeah such good friends like you know such good friends like that that he'd willingly die in mm-hmm. the name of protecting Vern, even if he is the fucking most frustrating of the group you know i don't know about uh, willingly <laughs> his jerry o'connell's acting in that scene where they're finally running sprinting with the and he's got the double chin and everything yeah uh beautiful yeah mm-hmm. absolutely I, I was like very well done. that is fear that is true fear it right. looks awesome and i'm like because I, I watched that scene twice i watched this movie uh, i watched the first half and then I rewatched it again this morning. Oh, gotcha. So I didn't get to see the second half twice. I only saw the first half. It's only like, um, I think it's right after they tell the, what is it, the fatso or lardass oh, story? Lardass. Yeah. Uh, that's that's as far as I got the first viewing. And then the second viewing, I obviously saw all the way through. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I knew to look at Jerry O'Connell's face in that scene again. And I was like, yep, that is so good. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what I want to see in fear in acting. You think they just had somebody behind him with their gun? Like you better fucking run. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he understood. There's, okay. there's yeah. a couple of, of, uh, there's a couple of lines of dialogue throughout this movie that stumble in a way where it, mm. the, one of the kids will start their line just that split second prematurely to where they couldn't have possibly understood completely how to respond. Oh, like an instant, instant yeah. reaction kind yeah. of thing. And where they're like, oh, that's my cue. And they kind of like step mm-hmm. on the other person. I see what line. you're like saying. Like they're now. waiting for it. Right. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, these these kids don't line up because uh, Will Wheaton in this movie yeah. is mm-hmm. next to incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. In, my, in my book, Will Wheaton goes on to be in, I think. He's in one of the Star Trek shows. I don't know if he—he's not a. His constant career's not player. crazy. Yeah. He's, so you're saying but. he's standing by the Incredibles? <laughs> the Incredibles? Yeah, you say he's next to the Incredibles. Did I say Incredibles? Yeah, you said. I meant to say Star Trek. What you did, did I, say Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, that too. Oh what? No, you said he's next to Incredible. Oh, next uh, to Incredible. Yeah. God damn it, Paul. Confused Damian. both of us. What's up? Bad jokes in the house. There you go. Um, but <laughs> this. I haven't seen Will Wheaton in a lot of things. Yeah. I've seen him play himself in some stuff, and it was atrocious. Mm-hmm. And so seeing him as a kid in this movie, I was like, whoa, he's fucking good here. What? Yeah. How'd, what Rob Reiner. Rob it's Reiner. Rob Reiner. It must have been, frankly. And then River Phoenix, I mean. No, Rob Reiner, not Frank. <laughs> Frank Dur- Darabont. <laughs> Darabont. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um but no i mean it's it it river and will mm-hmm. i'm i'm all on board amazing <laughs> yeah. honestly yeah. Corey feldman honestly it's I'd, feldman right yeah i keep wanting to say Corey Haim because that's the other Corey. i would yeah. say river phoenix's uh portrayal of this character was the best yeah like, it makes like, me understand why oh river phoenix is in an iconic name yeah. in spite yeah. of you know him obviously not you know rest in peace having yeah. not had a career in a relevant time for us really you know yeah um, um no but yeah. yes no phoenix river phoenix is fucking dope in this mm-hmm. movie and will wheaton that's Absolutely. i don't know and uh, their relationship to each other i was kind of glad they decided i mean i don't know how translated it is to the book directly but i'm glad they decided to kind of like pair him up at a lot of the times where we get these individual interactions with chris and Gordy so much more and then where they put Teddy and Vern kind of like fucking around on the wayside yeah. we get so much more one-on-one interaction between those two and they're yeah. act- and they're acting in those scenes in particular is some of the fucking strongest child acting I think I've ever seen in my life personally True. frankly like, honestly like I really was blown away by how much River Phoenix was getting the tears out of me just through monologuing you know yeah. like mm-hmm. and it was it was mind-blowing for me and then we get a lot of you know a couple even from gordy they're like fuck like this shit's fucking so heavy coming out of these kids like how do they fucking pull this off um but yeah. i will agree with you it feels very theatrical is what i wanted yeah. to mention at time where the lines are very you know my cue mm-hmm. here's my yeah. line where there's no time for the character to actually like dwell on what has just been said and have a response or like here's my automated yeah voice response yeah. <laughs> but it, to me it, it came off much more like watching theater which i can always mm-hmm. kind of get behind in a movie like this that has that more uh, theatrical, yeah, for sure, structure to it. You know, um, Corey Feldman in this in this movie, he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also playing a cartoon character. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> he's playing a child version of an adult. In my, you know, like the it's like all the ideologies of an adult put into oh, like a kid yeah, body. I mean, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, I can see that. You're like, like we want you to be 
Full Metal Jacket, but you're 12. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's basically a character that just repeats everything he heard his dad say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and so he he kind of plays this like unhinged, like wild card kind of, mm-hmm. of a character that you mm, would maybe uh, akin alike to um, Richie in It. Oh, bit. yeah. Yeah, um, where which, Richie's still more admirable though in yeah, some ways very yeah. true no but uh, what i was trying to say is who's the kid that plays richie he's from stranger things bill hater <laughs> yes um yeah i'm trying to think of fucking what his, what his name, name is i can't um, remember his wolf name. gang wolf hard um, oh but yeah that's not Finn. that's not the Finn kid wolf hand stranger things Finn wolf hard is yes he is stranger things but the one who plays richie's not yes isn't he? yes he is yes. richie those are, those are all the same person yeah I thought it was somebody else. Nope, they're all the they're all the same people. It Stranger Things. I could have sworn I was thinking of somebody else then. Okay, um, let's anyway. take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, Stand by Stand by me. me. Work, home life, outside. Have things gone awry? Well, we can make them a little bit better with hydroxychlo high high. <clears throat> Hydroxychlorodentif... <clears throat> Hold on. Hydroxychlorodentifonics... Dantifenics... Hydroxy... God, come on, Ian. They're not going to sponsor us if you can't say the name. Hold on. God damn it. <clears throat> oh, okay, hold on. One more one more second. Hold on. Hydrox... Can you? Can we turn the music down yeah, turn- a little bit? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Is that better? Down... Hydro- okay, have work gone a little awry? You can make it better with hydroxychlorodent. Do you want to look hey, at this hey, and try to fucking hey, say this stupid shit? Let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, hyd- I don't, you can't zoom in. Don't <laughs> I, was trying, I was totally trying to zoom in. What does it hyd- say? Hydroxychlorodent. <laughs> I got neither of y'all can read oh. Latin. <laughs> Okay. All right, so we're talking about "Stand by Me." Yes, by Rob Reiner. At some good point, film. We yeah, it yeah. was a good film, <laughs> actually. It was a it was a good one. Um, no, yeah, I mean this movie. It yeah, we this is something that's like baked into the DNA of of everything mm-hmm. today. Where it's like, yeah, you know, pretty much what this movie's about. You hear it, you're like, yeah, I get it. Stand by me. Um, did you guys feel like it stood up to like how I guess society has brought it to at this point? Um, Cause like this movie isn't blown out of proportions. Like I feel like the sixth sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see the thing is I thought the movie was, it was great. It mm. was a really good mm-hmm. movie, but I wouldn't like I was saying earlier, I wouldn't put it on the same shelf as misery. Oh, like I, I maybe shelf right underneath. Yeah. But I wouldn't, put it on my top tier of movies to watch i agree with that and i think it's because we've already come of age you know what i mean oh, i think we're just a little enough. aged out of the meaning of this movie you know what i mean i i think you're right that it it getting interjected into your life at like the right age or when you're young enough mm-hmm. is where this movie would be very iconic for some people or like something they would feel the need to come back to and be like let me go learn those life lessons i learned from the four boys from stand by me you know when i yeah. was a kid <laughs> right um and so i think that has a lot to do with it but i mean i was i was blown away by this movie once again specifically for the acting i really think it's what kind of made it stand true and yeah even if it did take rob reiner's like eye to like catch it on camera just right i think that's what makes this movie iconic yeah because neither oh i was just gonna say neither the story or some of the cinematography was so amazing that I thought that those things could be the reason because there were some shots of Gordy in particular that were driving me nuts because it almost felt like there was like a like a filter yeah. that had been oh, okay. like a soft filter that had put over him the whole time so it gave him like this very like almost like a, like Angelic. an angel a glow mm-hmm. at times where the other characters wouldn't have it it would literally cut from a shot of Chris talking to him and then when it would cut to Gordy there would be this glow around him and I was like why did they 
It's like it was weird. It was a weird. There were some weird yeah. choices cinematically you that think they that made. Was a little subliminal, like like to get you to look at him in a different light. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That very very well could have been themes like that. They just didn't land. Fair enough. You know, now you know. I mean, they just didn't quite hit the way I think they were hoping for in some of those ways. So, um, as as iconic as the story is, and uh, I really think the only reason this movie stands out for people is the is the performances we got to see and the relationships right. we get yeah. to see built between these characters because for me you know once again i'm i'm all about that brotherhood shit you know i grew up with mm-hmm. a close group of friends and so i this is the shit that can really hit home for me and i'm not gonna lie i cried like three times in this wow, movie it really? really kept fucking getting my ass and even at the end where we hear just a monologue of what happened to chris and his adulthood i I dropped several tears. I was wow. very, I was literally heartbroken because we get these characters that were obviously so close in their yeah. youth, you know, and just it, it makes me think of how tragic life is and how quickly right. I could lose any of you yeah. in a situation that would be so unjust and unfair and for no reason then. That's fair. Yeah. I would life, say the you know? monologue at the end is the only time I cried in this movie um but it really is did because Vern had four kids because i <laughs> yes actually there's th- four more verns out walking around <laughs> fucking four more idiots on this. but it, it was it was more just because of chris um that made me cry mm-hmm. just his part of the story is what made me cry the most just because he was um he was so torn about being there in that town yeah and very obviously out of all of them needed the escape more than anybody that's um fair, yeah and or at least seemed to want that escape more than the rest of them. And so obviously he grew up at some point and did get that escape mm-hmm. only for it to lead to um, his death because he's doing what he's always done, which is yeah. the right thing, you know, or tried to do the right thing. Yeah, so definitely. I wish there I was. That's what tore me up the most. That's yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I wish there was a scene that showed Vern at home being babied. Oh, and yes. we kind of like see, Stanley in it. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. But like where he, his mom is like, you know, babying him. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we can see how much uh, that's the reason why Vern's that way and is he's not grown he up enough mm-hmm. as to where like Chris has grown up entirely to the point where he's like yeah i wish i was your fucking dad you know what i mean we got such vivid lives of the other three at home it was interesting that Vern. we really didn't get much of a an understanding of like because like one of his brothers was also one of the goons as Mm -hmm. well as one of chris's brothers true eyeball um (laughs) which i didn't realize was chris's brother at first i thought it would have been one of the dweebier goons so when they're like oh you're eyeballs little brother i was like why would you be proud of that name and also why the fuck would you let your friend beat up on your little brother the way we see yeah. you know these men they're, they're obviously afraid of him i get afraid of ace you know yeah. i just was blown away that yeah like fucking they he was so willing to like let this guy like stick a cigarette in his little brother's eye and like pull a knife on him i was like that that's your fucking little brother like yeah. you should be the one doing Honestly. this kind of stuff to him if anything as fucked up as that sounds you know? yeah i was really upset <laughs> that um gordy never got the hat back Oh, fuck. That's very true. Yeah, that is fucked up. How did you guys feel about John Cusack playing the greatest brother that of was all time? Crazy. Yeah, no, he was the best fucking brother. Mm-hmm. He seen him being the brother, the older, the amazing brother that he was in mm-hmm. this film, made me feel shitty for not being that good of a brother. <laughs> you know? That supportive of a brother. Yeah, I was like, motherfucker, I need to go see my brothers. Yeah. Tell them they write good yeah. shit or something. Yeah, yeah something. Just be like, Chris... That shit you wrote on on Instagram, dope, dude. Yo, that was sick. Chris, you broke your wrist again? <laughs> Fucking, that's awesome, dude. You're always breaking bones. I believe in you, man. <laughs> Has yeah. he broken his wrist twice? I think only once. But, uh, okay. but, but the, he has the most issues. <laughs> the dinner scene, you know, we see with the family was so powerful for me for two reasons, which was that not only do we see that obviously the dad much more gave a shit about John Cusack and his football career than anything else yeah. in the family. Dude, that pissed me off. There was a point made earlier in the movie where this, where George Gordy's like, well, I'm basically just invis- the invisible boy now. And so we see him yelling at his mom from a window like, hey, mom, yeah. where is the, you know, the whatever canteen. this is, the canteen. And the dad is the one who has to eventually stop what he's doing and answering him. And then at the dinner scene, we see him asking the dad for the potatoes and he's just being blatantly ignored until the mom is the one who has to like receptively. Mm-hmm. So but it's she, like she doesn't even respond 
respond until he she gets a bad response from the dad where it's yeah. like look at you you're distracting him and so that's when she's like okay i need to ignore him and yeah. then i'll listen to will wheaton and i just I, well and it really for me rang home the fact that it's like dang that that was the one parent that at least gave him some some attention you know yeah, and so now that that's completely out the window that's yeah. both parents having could give a shit about him now you know so that really hit me pretty hard too that i was like dang that's that's how it you know it really shows that both parents could give a genuinely could give a damn about him yeah and then there's a part where um <laughs> they weren't completely clear with the father it's right after they mm-hmm. bury the the older brother um where i wasn't 100 percent sure if this was just how gordy felt his father was treating him or if his father really told him you should have been the one that died. Oh, this is just a dream, I think. No, I think that really happened. You think that you actually think that was a definitely happened? I think he says it again later where yeah. he's like, my dad told me. He doesn't give a shit about me. You okay. Know? Yeah, because I, I must have missed that part. Because, yeah, no, the entire time I was wondering, is this just another layer? You know, yeah. just yeah. like maybe this is what Gordy feels like his dad's telling it's him. It's the sick balls you know. versus sickum boy. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, he said sickum boy, but what I heard was sick balls. Yeah. <laughs> myth versus reality. Yeah. Which yeah. I love that part yeah. of this movie was the differentiating myth and reality. <laughs> Going on that line, sick balls. Um those Dude, are some sick balls. Yeah, you got some sick balls. Uh no, but the the narration throughout this book or this movie feels just like a Stephen King book. Absolutely. Yes. Where it's almost like exactly. The, the narration must have been plucked directly from the book. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never read it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine wasn't as loud. I absolutely agree that obviously a lot of the narration was obviously hand-plugged dial or lines from the book that just felt so iconic or necessary to just narrate right mm-hmm. into this the telling, yeah. especially the last bits of explaining where, what happened to each boy. And yeah. they, some their backstories a little. But um, one thing I wanted to talk on was the part of this movie I can't believe existed and I didn't realize. And I'm kind of blown away, which is the fucking lard ass story. <laughs> oh, right. That 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 whole bit is why this movie's losing a, a couple of ranks in my <laughs> really? fucking book, because I could not even it's watch kids into me. Kids. That yeah. was the most Stephen King about this book. Or yeah. this movie. God damn it. I keep yeah. saying book. And the thing is, I feel like if I would have read it in a Stephen King story, I would have had an easier time than actually having to see this ridiculous children's story mm-hmm. put to screen <laughs> the way that they chose to. And I just, I was upset the entire time yeah. that it was happening. I'm not going to lie. Wow. How do y'all feel about it? I loved it. Um, I think that really? might have been my favorite part oh of the movie. God, I hated it. <laughs> I think one of my one of my favorite aspects about this um, story is uh, how it how it goes full circle. This story, oh, yeah. the ending meets up with the beginning. Um, in that, at the very end, he essentially tells you why he's telling the story the whole time, and it's because at the very beginning he sees the newspaper about right. a he's lawyer murdered. Yeah. yeah, murdered in the um, stabbed. His thing is what it says. in the Where coffee shop. It? it was a coffee shop. Yeah, it was, I thought it was like a Taco yeah. Bell or something. Then what was he in? Like the worst part of New York or something, <laughs> trying to get coffee? What the fuck? <laughs> right. But yeah, no, it's just it's just it's very no. But I vague, mean, is that like very, sporadic? It's yeah. just that. Yeah, but go ahead. No, yeah, it's just the fact that it's it's very vague at the beginning, like a lawyer stabbed in a coffee shop. Oh, that's crazy to read, you know. Yeah, and then it says his name though. It says mm-hmm. Chris Chambers. I didn't even see it. Yeah, oh, see, that's what okay. I'm saying. Like, if you're not 100 percent paying attention to that spot, you won't see it. Yeah, and like I had even gone back to read it again, and I still didn't see his name. Oh, so I okay. felt like it didn't really tell you anything until the very end, like yeah. definitive at the end, like this is who it was, you know. Um, and the I really man like that. The man who plays grown up uh gordy gordy if that's another thing if that's even gordy because i think he's credited as the writer so what if it's like an ann wilkes situation well no what if it's just a man who reads about a man named chris chambers who died and then suddenly that sparks a whole he sees the kids driving by on the bike and it sparks a whole brand story in his mind in his head almost like stephen king where it's just like a just a couple of things just sparks it off and then he writes it and then we see him at the end typing the last sentence and then that was it what if he's not even fucking gordy yeah Wow. That's such a good call. That's crazy to think about. But um, a story in a story. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a short story in a short or the a story within a story. Yeah. The itself. the, the story the lard ass part. Yeah. Is a sh- short story in a, a short story in a story in a story. Yeah. Damn. Oh my god. Too much storyception. Uh, I said that. <laughs> I said it better. So, how did you guys feel about Kiefer Sutherland? I said it better. 
as a fucking scary oh man. Gosh. I understand why they loved his ass as like a scare, like an intimidating actor at the mm-hmm. time. Because even though he's not like the biggest guy in the world, there's something about it, the way he acts that just airs insane violence. You know, yeah. you're like this something guy will fucking kill me. <laughs> I don't know if it's the uh, time that yeah. we live in, but the way Kiefer and the way Eyeball were to. Um, say some lines or like just softly like intimidate felt very homoerotic to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, huh. There was there was some of that throughout this whole yeah. thing a little bit. I felt that way. But I, I feel mean, like it was very innocent. I don't yeah. feel like it was purposely planted. No. But it, there was a lot of scenes where I was just like, well, I I was, mean, that was a little gay. Right yeah. There, you know? I felt like the first time that you see them, uh-huh. it's a it's a little gay. And I even like he's like talking crap to um Chris. Yeah. And then like he goes walking off with uh, uh, Ace and Eyeball go walking off together, and I looked at Amber, and I was like, "I was gonna get." Yeah, no, I was like, if I was Chris, I would have been like, "All right, go have fun with your boyfriend, like or something," you know? <laughs> yeah, just like just throwing a little remark because, like, obviously there's nothing wrong with it, but yeah, it it just seemed a bit weird their mm-hmm. relationship. It didn't 100 percent seem like, oh, I'm just hanging out with him because I'm scared of him. Yeah, you know. No, I feel like, like there, there was some... a, a a sense of idolization almost mm-hmm. right where eyeball idolized ace yeah he was just always looking at him with his eyeballs yeah yeah uh, i think eyeball and ace are a couple of the members of the gorillas no. <laughs> <laughs> um the actor who plays eyeball his name is bradley greg okay um he when i first saw him on screen i was like that's not sean astin is it i i Okay, you and me. I was like, there can't be. It's he's too young. Literally, um, is Sean Astin not? Uh, oh no, he was in the Goonies. Yeah, he's in like a Lily is in Goonies. Uh, that's why I'm like, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, Has so this guy Bradley like, Gregg been in anything else that you could think of? Uh, not immediately that I noticed. Okay, but no, when I saw him, he was just so immediately recognizable. I was like, there's no way that's Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. No, I felt the same way. And so after a couple of scenes, I was like, okay, he's not anyone that even matters yeah. i was kind of blown away. or like not doesn't matter but isn't notable that, yeah notable i was kind of blown away because exactly i saw him and i was like oh it's that that's that guy um i mean to look him up he's been in all kinds of shit because he's been it was in an, oh, a nightmare on elm street three yeah uh, exactly. but he was in uh indiana jones yeah he plays the last crusade okay yeah. he's in the bad one of the bad ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there's not very many no. movies that i could really see that he's been in yeah um, that i would even care about but uh oh he was in 21 jump street the show oh the show the yeah show. oh another john depp. John, john depp was in the he first in, nightmare he was in street. one episode jonathan oh, depp. Well, motherfucker yeah never mind Never mind. Um, I want to rate the the performances. Yeah, of each actor. Wow. Oh, the performances. I want to rate the performances. Uh, okay. We're gonna rate the movie. Yeah. Um, but I want to rate the performances. Interesting. I want you guys to play along with me, and all we have to do is a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or thumb in the middle, or two thumbs up. Okay. Okay. Just like an A plus, or two yeah. thumbs down. No, no two thumbs. Can down. I do a kickflip? What does that mean? Nothing. In my book. But I can still do one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. It's just no. <laughs> okay. So let's start with Will Wheaton. Two thumbs up. I agree. Double thumbs. That's, Double I give the thumbs. thumbs right? Actually, there you one thumb. One oh, thumb up. only one thumb up. Yeah, I got to reserve that two oh, thumbs up. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then let's move on to River Phoenix. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs Those up. Those are my two thumb boys. Those Both are my two thumb Fuck boys. Yeah, boys. <laughs> let's move on. Corey Feldman. That's one thumb. One me. thumb. One thumb. As as I mean, he plays a believable character, but I feel like once again, it, I, these characters don't seem like they're in the same movie together. Yeah, for me. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, Jerry O'Connell. I'm gonna give also one thumb up. Vern. One thumb. Yeah. Vern. One thumb just for the train. Oh, you gave him a thumbs down. Dang. Thumbs down. That, kid, <laughs> that kid's a fucking pussy. Just for the th- oh just, shit. Just for the train performance. All right, what about Eyeball? Bradley Gregg. I'm going to give him a thumbs up. I'll yeah, give him a yeah. middle thumb. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. A wavering. Was there wasn't enough up. of him in the movie is what I'd say, oh. and he was a really <laughs> shitty older brother, so... I'm... Fair enough. <laughs> That's fair. I, when you compare him to the only other older brother we see, yeah. yes, definitely. <laughs> exactly. All right, now Kiefer Sutherland. 
I'm going to give him two thumbs up. Really? Intimidating for me. Yeah, I'll give no, him one I, thumb up. I'll give him two thumbs up. I'm going to give him one thumb up because okay. I just know that he has an even more intimidating performance to come Fair a enough. year later. True. <laughs> um, now for the big cheese. John Cusack has the greatest brother of all time. I'm giving him three thumbs up. You guys can't see it, but my... What does he say? Like 15 words in the whole movie? Yeah. I'll give two him, thumbs. I'll give, him, I'll give him a thumbs up and a high five if he was here. Ian just stole that. We love them Q-sacks. I'm all about that sack. Uh Um, Yeah, no, I mean, this movie's pretty fucking good. I think this is, like you were saying earlier, if I had seen it in my youth, I'd I'd be all about it. Sentimental to it. Yeah. Uh, But then again, I'd seen Sandlot. Sandlot's not a different league. Never mind. I'm not going to compare. I think if I'd even seen it, like, around the age of 15... Yeah, it would still be like a completely different feeling to me. I agree. Yeah, we keep comparing it to so. the Sandlot, but funny enough, it's probably more comparable to the Goonies, which came out a year before it. In I think the Goonies sense of... is. I, I want to think about something more rooted yeah. and grounded, you know. So I was thinking maybe like a what's the Macaulay Culkin movie where he gets stung by a bee? Oh, my girl. Oh no, it's Home Alone. You're talking yeah. about my girl. Two movies named after songs. Oh, this movie. This movie was originally a book. It was a novella mm-hmm. called The Body. Mm-hmm. I'd always heard it was a short story. <laughs> a novella. It's a novella. It's it's almost 200 pages. I was going to try and uh, read it or listen to it uh, beforehand, but... What classifies a novella? I don't know. I guess it has to be under 200 pages. I don't fucking know. Well, it's, I think probably it has to be more than a certain amount, but under 200. Yeah, I wanna, I'm going to look it up yeah. right now. True, because I mean, the what average, if the text was just a little bit bigger? Yeah, the average Steve King book is about four hundred pages, though, so it is about half his. Yeah, for sure, half a book for him. So, a novella is a standalone piece of fiction that is shorter than a full-length novel, but longer than a short story <laughs> or novelette. Wow. A novelette. A novelette. A novelette is a short story. What's a, is there a novellini? <laughs> a novelino. <laughs> Novelloni. Novelono. <laughs> Hillary's God, calling me. Uh, you can I'm, answer. I'm gonna, I'm okay. gonna wait. Okay. She'll hear this on the podcast that I, that I, <laughs> I said, ignored, her that I ignored her phone call. But yeah, that was one thing that was hilarious about this movie is it was just almost like hilariously 50s in the uh, way that I yeah. really feel like Rob Reiner like Googled <laughs> what is the 50s like? <laughs> Which yeah, we said that there's there was no Google around the time. Hey, he, he Bill Gates means- was working on it. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's just that just attributes to that point that if there was no Google around at the time, <laughs> God damn it, if there was no Google around at the time, that means he did even more fucking work. No, well, he just lived in the fifties. No, <laughs> he grew up in the fifties. No, no, he looked it up and was like, "What were the popular songs when I grew up?" He's like, "Lollipop, he used, lollipop, the lollipop song." He's being. The use of 50s music in this movie, though, is fucking stellar. It is. Where mm-hmm. it's, it's one group of idiots listening to the radio, and then suddenly the song, it, the fucking DJ is like, and now this song. And so we jump to the other fuckers listening to the same radio station. Yes. Oh, dude, this movie's dope. And the, instruction. Because yes. the town would probably have two radio stations sure. at most. You mm. know? Um, let's rate this bad boy. Um, we gave, Kenny and I gave Misery last week. A 4.0. And that's what I'm giving Stand By Me. You're going to go you're gonna gonna carry it over. I'm going to carry over gave, that 4.0. You gave Misery a 4.3, Paul. Okay. And yeah, I, yeah, gave, right. I gave Misery that 4.0 because of its phenomenal performances. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'm doing for Stand By Me. The performances in this movie are fucking incredible. Specifically River Phoenix and Will Wheaton. I was genuinely blown away yeah. by how much of the little boys were bringing I was tears to my eyes. Definitely so, blown away by Will Wheaton because I didn't anticipate it. I and guess. I mean and I mean I didn't talk on it too much, but I mean obviously Will Wheaton Gordy as a character is something I sentimentally can relate to wildly as having always been the kind of skinnier, nerdier mm, of my mm, friend group. That's a fair you know? call. So yeah. uh it really was something that I could very easily attach myself to even now as an adult you know. i like how when you said that both paul damien and i were like oh uh, yes you're right. a dwee- you were dweeby <laughs> just agreeing with you <laughs> loser <Yeah. I'm> just- <laughs> um uh i'm also going to well no i'm gonna give it a 3.9 gotta drop I, it a little okay just because i feel like this whole month of movies are gonna be real i i, I don't know contentious to to each other because they're all stephen king properties adapted mm-hmm. And I I all, I, I kind of have to grade it off of that. And mm-hmm. so if I if we're comparing it to Misery, which I kind of have to, because yeah, uh, I'm, I'm giving it a three point nine. Just because mm-hmm. Misery, I think is 
I don't know, stellar compared to this. But it, this movie does have a lot of what you need in this kind of classic, like, necessary Hollywood kind of film, yeah, you know? definitely. Uh, I think I'm going to give it a 3.9 as well. Okay. Um, I think this is actually a really good movie. Um, I wouldn't put it on par like you were saying with Misery, like I said earlier. Um, but I also, like what Kenny was saying, this isn't really something that I feel I can compare to misery despite the fact that we're there's Stephen King yeah. and, and Rob Reiner and Rob Reiner we're doing them within a week from each other I yeah. still feel like I can't compare them you know what I mean um so I the the reason I want to give this a 3.9 specifically is for acting yeah. and uh the cinematography wasn't amazing but it it was still very good yeah, um, I actually really enjoyed the point of this movie and the moral, the morals of this movie. Um, so for that, I would really recommend a lot of people watch it. Um, being in my older twenties now, it wasn't very relevant to like how I feel and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. But I definitely feel like um, somebody in their early twenties or late teens would really get a lot out of this movie. And this, I, I really recommend that, you know, if you haven't watched this movie, you know, give it a shot. It's pretty good. I, I agree. It. I think kids today uh-huh. should watch this movie. Definitely. Because it's displaced twice, mm-hmm. where it's an 80s movie about fifth, growing up in the 50s. Yes. And you are so detached from both eras that it's almost kind of sick to see what it may have been like to live in a tiny town in the 50s through the lens of someone living in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fucking dope to think about. Like a kid who's too busy on TikTok. You know what? We should upload this whole movie to TikTok. In the segments, whole thing. Segments of TikTok. Three-minute segments. Yeah. But each one has, like, overlapping, like, five seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it, we'll upload it to a profile named Rob Reiner. And we'll put a oh. little kawaii filter over all of them so they have, like, the cute little pink <laughs> yes. cheeks the whole time. Oh, my God. We have Where to do like, it like, my now. dad hates me. He's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this. And it's for, like, Dua Lipa songs or some shit. Um, yeah. No, that's a brilliant idea. We're going to start working on that. Follow us on TikTok. We're, <laughs> we're, we're under the profile Rob Reiner. <laughs> who watches our TikToks? Who, 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 who watches Rob Reiner? Who tickers the TikTok? Uh, that's the slur and i'm gonna dock you for that one um <laughs> come back next week we're gonna be talking we're gonna be returning to the darabont we're to gonna finish be, off our following two weeks yeah yeah um we're gonna join Fancy. join back up with darabont with the mist mm-hmm. this is maybe i wish we had done a little bit of research but this is maybe his latest attempt at doing a stephen king movie um because Obviously, we did uh, Green Mile. I love mm-hmm. that movie. A couple of uh, weeks ago, and we're going to be doing Shawshank at to the end of this. Off. Yeah, um, follow us on Instagram. That's going to be in the show notes below. Rate and review us on all of those podcasting sites. Apple Podcasts, I hear, is the most important one to do it on. If you don't have access to it, um, find access to it and rate us. If you have an Apple ID. You have access to Apple Podcasts, and you can leave a review. Yeah, so I will literally kick in if you do not leave a review. You fucking better not. I'm, I'll do it right now. You fucking better, motherfucker. Um, if you guys leave us five star, we'll read it on the podcast. Don't put any slurs. Um, Kenny, do you yes. want to walk us out of this bad boy? All right, so get ready for next week. We're going to be doing The Miss, so hope you don't missed it. I didn't like that one. Yeah, sorry, guys. We'll uh, see you all then, or we'll see you on another time. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Get out of here. Okay, Bowser.